Like, it feels like all of a sudden, everyone started panicking. The new normal. I really don't know. I don't know why they're buying the toilet paper. Uh, Shortages and shell shock. Events canceled, travel restricted. Broward County has the most cases in the state of Florida. Uh, the vast, vast majority of those are linked to international travel. Travelers pack into customs, crowd spring break beaches, no social distancing. Take precautions. We should be fairly safe. South Florida battens down. Oh, I'm, I'm bleaching everything. To stop the spread of coronavirus. Good morning. I'm Glenna Milberg. Michael is off. As we come on the air, Florida has more than 100 cases of coronavirus confirmed at this moment. The majority of them in Broward and Miami-Dade counties combined this week in a matter of days. Cities, state, nation declared states of emergency and scrambled to reconstruct daily lives with the sole focus of stopping the coronavirus pandemic. And we are right there with you in revamping how we do things, protecting our people and our Spaces, and you'll see that reflected in our production today. And back with us, one of South Florida's most valuable and respected resources on infectious disease, Dr. Uh, Eileen Marty. And this is our, this whole hour with us is for you. We're trying something a little different. We want to know your questions and concerns as we address them right here in real time. Take a look at this screen right now. This is the address on Facebook and on Twitter to use for the next hour to send in your questions and send in your concerns as we get through this pandemic together. Our handle right there is at WPLG Local 10. And we start this morning with what is fast becoming a huge concern of everyone trying to avoid coronavirus contamination and keeping that space of social distancing. Canceled events is one thing. Spring breakers descending on South Florida is another. And Janine Stanwood is right there on South Beach this morning where first responders are dealing with exactly that. Janine, good morning. Good morning. What a time for first responders and city leaders trying to get a handle on what to do. And you said it. It's one thing to cancel an event with a finite amount of people and a venue. It's another thing to legislate human behavior when there are throngs of people coming here, especially to South Beach. March, as you know, such a busy time here in South Florida. These last couple of days right here on Miami Beach have been particularly challenging. That's gunshots. Crowds and then gunfire on Miami Beach Saturday night. As police investigate, they and city leaders have another issue on their hands. How to break up the throngs of young people who have descended here to reduce the risk of COVID-19 from spreading. Wait. Social distancing in one of the busiest tourist months of the year is not easy. On Thursday, city leaders declaring what would have been unthinkable weeks ago that spring break was over. Two days later, enacting emergency measures to reopen Ocean Drive to cars, closing the most popular stretch of the beach, and mandating restaurants and nightclubs with an occupancy greater than 250 people close immediately. We are past the point where we can encourage or sponsor large crowds. God willing, at some point, there's going to be an end to this, and then hopefully we are always trying to get back to normal as soon as possible. Doctors say it's not only about the health of people in the crowds, it's about not spreading the virus, which can sometimes pose no symptoms to those who are most vulnerable. 
And of course, it's still pretty early on Miami Beach and we haven't seen any huge, huge crowds. And of course, we're trying to practice what we pe preach and maintain our own social distancing. Glenna, I did have an opportunity to speak to uh, Commissioner Ricky Areola on the phone just a short time ago. He and other city leaders were on a conference call at 10 a.m. They are considering other options, including curfews. Uh, that is one possibility. It's really tough for them right now because they have to balance the safety needs of first responders and residents and the people visiting with, of course, the business owners who stand to lose a lot of money right now. Janine, thanks. Of course, a really tough line to walk. And Dr. Eileen Marty here with us now. I want to start out, doctor, with some of the things we have been hearing. A lot of people sending in questions today. Uh, exactly what Janine was talking about, social distancing in crowds. You were here a week ago, which seemed like a lifetime ago, talking about exactly that. What, what is your advice on that? Well, to really talk about social distancing, I think it's very important that people start to understand the science that protects you and the risk assessments that you have to do every time right now until we can end this out, uh, global outbreak or pandemic, as you will. Flatten the curve is yeah, what flatten we're the hearing. curve. Yeah. So, so, so to answer your question about social distancing, the reality is you need to understand something called a reproductive number. Okay. A little science for us. A Re little science, man, but reproductive we need number. more science on we television. Do. And so what is that? All right. So reproductive number is, let's say you're infected, right? All right. I'm, I'm not as far as I know, just for the no, record. No, 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 no. This is, this is just so people understand. How many other people are you going to infect, right? And how can we reduce that number of the number of people you're going to infect to below one? Okay. Right? So we have a series of things that we have to take into consideration when we try and determine what that reproductive number is. Currently, a whole bunch of different scientists from all over the world are trying to establish not just what that number is, but how we can reduce it with the tools we have available. Right? So the estimate right now is that the reproductive number, if you had it, would be that you would infect and lead to disease in two to four other people. Let me just stop you right there and ask, does that mean two to four other people because we're sitting two feet apart? Or if I'm in, we have, uh, I'm not sure if we have video of the crowded airport terminals that are occurring now that European travelers are being funneled through, or, or spring break where Janine is, where you can't help but be two feet apart or one one inch apart from someone else. Okay, so, so again, we have to understand the science. It's not just about I am within two feet of you, it's I'm in within two feet of you and I'm shedding virus. I'm within two feet of you and, or you're, okay, yeah, we, I made you the, the, the victim, okay, and you're shedding virus. It's are you talking? Are, because speech is one way in which little viral particles can come out as little droplets, just as uh, coughing can do that as well, right? So am I, are you shedding virus when I'm close to you? And am I close to you long enough to get another science fact that people have to understand? All right, so with that said, let me take a couple of questions that we have from Twitter and Facebook. There's someone, Ryan, who he and his wife are flight attendants, and he wrote in and asked, they're young, they're in their 30s, they're healthy, they're around these passengers getting on the planes. What is your, what is their worry, he asks, about being uh, around asymptomatic carriers? And to your point, how do people know if someone is shedding? 
You don't. That's the exact problem. That's why I have to bring it down to the science. Until people understand the science, they won't even understand the answer to my question for real. Because everything is about understanding how this virus goes from person to person, what the real risks are. So I suggest that you put up a graphic that I made for you. It's going to look scary. It's going to look like too much science. But if you let me go through it. Do we have that graphic? Bear with us, everyone. We are going to put up that graphic. Um, it's got, I've seen it. It's got a lot of writing on it, but you're going to take us through it. You know. Yes. So yeah. what, what are we so looking at I, here? So, so what I want you to do is just focus in on different parts of the graphic for me at, one, at, at a given time. Go up to where it says RO. Just look, everybody look at that thing that says R0. R0 on the upper left, okay? Yeah, up on the left, okay? And actually, could, could you just only show that part of the graphic at first? No, we, I don't, <laughs> we're not that capable of Okay, that's all right, that's time. all right. So that's the, that's the R0 or R0 is the reproductive number of COVID, for you, you're the infected person in our scenario, if we do nothing, okay? And as you can see, the, the answer to the question is about two to four people, like I told you, all right? So what are the elements that decide whether it's two to four people or less than one, which will end the outbreak and which will flatten that curve that everybody's talking about? Okay, it has to be, so one of the things is how long somebody's infectious and shedding virus. That's what we call the duration of the infectious period. We now know that this virus, most people are shedding virus for about 10 days. You also need to know when do they start shedding virus after they've been exposed. We call that another fancy term called the serial interval. I know, it sounds real scientific mumbo jumbo, but it's really important to know that. All right, the next thing you wanna know is, and, and that by the way for, for for this virus, this SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID-19, is about four days, four to four and a half days. We are uh, able to talk right now to Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber, who is on the phone. You just heard from Janine Stanwood on South Beach. There are considerations to really batten down the city, uh, closures and deadlines. And uh, Mayor Gelber, good to be with you via, via phone. Today, what can you tell us about that really fine line that you all on the beach are walking between protecting people, protecting business, and really doing things that, that might look to people like a police state, if I could use that word? Tell me. Well, well first of all, I'm not sure that line is as fine as it has been. Um, we, you know, we have a very challenging, uh, very challenging spring break to begin with, and it's generally been just a public safety issue just the crowds, there's a lot of drinking and things like that. But what has happened now is, uh, on top of this, is the social distancing concept that obviously is being ignored. It's a young crowd. They probably feel pretty uh, invulnerable. And so uh, we've got this other health care crisis. And our first responders now are there. And the worst thing that could happen is for them to get injured and also be unable to protect the residents and our, and our tourists. So this is really a pretty vexing situation. But, uh, later today, I'm not going to get into the details. We're going to probably be taking some additional, uh, very significant measures to really just stop stop the party. Uh, we, we can't have sp uh, spring break crowds. They're just, they just make no sense in the face of this very daunting health care crisis to permit and to allow huge crowds of people, tens of thousands, frankly, close together, walking around, uh, you know, 
really not worrying at all about the fact that this is a very serious health care challenge. So, so Mayor, we're going to be taking measures. Practically speaking, yeah. and, and you may, I'm sorry to interrupt, you may be about to say that, practically sure. speaking, what is that going to look like? Well, it's going to, it's going to, I'm not going to get into it because we've spent the morning, I've been on the phone with the county mayor and some other communities that have very similar challenges. Um, but it's going to, it, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable that uh, what we're going to be doing in the entertainment district is going to change dramatically over the next uh, 24, 48 hours, where it's not going to be even close to what it looks like right now. Uh, it, we're not going to have throngs of people walking around. It's not going to be an all-night thing. The details we're working out because we have uh, we have county issues and state issues, there's a beach there, et cetera. But I think um, early afternoon or mid-afternoon we'll, we'll have a substantial announcement. All right, Mayor, we are on the air and online 24-7, so we will be on that with you today. We will bring whatever you do and you say to our viewers and our readers online, and I thank you for calling in. I know it's a really busy time for you, and we'll, uh, we'll talk later. Mayor Gelber, thanks. Thank you, Glenna. Glenna, you're a resident, so I have to answer you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that with me. Thanks. Uh, all right, even as we speak right here, lines are again forming at stores around South Florida. People finding shelves are stripped, not only of cleaning supplies, but of food and of paper goods. And people look like they're fearing a Category 5 style quarantine. Syra Anwar is outside a Publix in Hollywood. Syra, what are you seeing this morning there? Glenna, those checkout lines are very long. We're not seeing lines outside like we were yesterday, so that's calmed down a little bit, but we are seeing people with gloves, people with masks, people really taking precautions and stocking up on the supplies that they believe that they need amid all of this uncertainty with COVID-19. Grocery stores like Publix adjusting hours to accommodate for panic shoppers, clearing shelves at South Florida stores. There is nothing, nothing. While the CDC made recommendations of hand washing and social distancing, somehow that translated to clear the grocery shelves and create crowds at checkout lines. On Saturday, Local 10 spoke with Memorial Chief Psychiatrist Dr. Daniel Bober, looking for answers for some of the more bizarre buying behavior. It's something that's so basic and so primal and so compulsive that people aren't even thinking about what they're doing, but they feel like it's something they can control. It's like that's the joke of the, the minute right now, because like, everyone can, like, we're all making fun of it, but at, the, but at the same time, we're all doing it. But some of the panic purchases are more practical, given the uncertainties of a global pandemic. If you go in the cleaning aisles, there's pretty much nothing left, as expected. Even if you look for the little hand sanitizers in the front by the register, there's absolutely nothing. It's nothing there, no paper, no bounty, no paper, nothing. Thank God we already have it, but I'm just saying, yeah, that's a little crazy. It is a little crazy. Now, Publix is one of the major grocery stores that actually adjusted its hours amid all of this. They will now close at 8 p.m. at night until further notice. That's so that their staff can clean their stores and restock all of those shelves. That's the latest live from Hollywood. Syra Onworth, Local 10 News. Syra, thanks so much. Dr. Marty, we um, a couple more questions that we're getting on Facebook and Twitter, and I, I want to sort of condense what are very similar questions about immunity. Once somebody has coronavirus, whether it is uh, asymptomatic or symptomatic, whether it's not very severe or is, like chickenpox, are you then immune to it? Well, think about chickenpox. 
what really happens with chickenpox? Chickenpox is a herpes virus. Herpes viruses will live in your body for the rest of your life, and chickenpox comes back out as shingles. So think about that. So, so the answer to that is you're the, the, not. The answer to that is this is a new virus. Where we've, we've, the world has had what 11 weeks to know about this particular virus. We don't have time to tell you the truth about that answer because we don't know the answer. What we do know is not good news. And so I want to. Um, there is a Miami Beach commissioner, and I wanted to talk about that. Who announced at a commission meeting? Not announced. He asked at a commission meeting. This is a bold idea. If we can build immunity to this, should first responders kind of take one for the team? get the injection of sorts, build immunity, is that a, I'm looking at your face and thinking that might be a really bad idea? Yeah, because we don't know the long-term consequences to each person who gets infected. Moreover, you have to consider the ages and risk factors of those first responders. Um, there is a question from, on Twitter to us from Jayal who wants to know what damage or effect does coronavirus leave on organs even after recovery? Do we know that yet? We know for the people who have been severe and critical, what happens to their lungs. And um, these lungs are filled with tissues. They, we, they go into a condition which has a fancy name, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which, and that means that there's all this, it's kind of scarring that happens. So it's very likely that they, that this scarring will be a, a part of their life for the rest of, for the rest of their days. And, and I'm supposing there's still so much we have to learn, I guess, in the long term, because yeah, to your and, point, it's so soon. Yeah, not yeah. to mention that there are things, you know, and tools that we have to try and reduce that from happening. And uh, while we're taking care of these people who are severe and critical, we have techniques to reduce the effects of the treatment that can also add to that scarring. And we know how to do that. So we, we minimize the effect, but no, I can't give you a, a reassurance, unfortunately. Okay, listen, that is honest. There's not one person that can ensure that these tests can be administered. In the early hours of Saturday, the House passed a coronavirus relief package, 363 to 40, a bipartisan effort that got a go-ahead tweet from the president. It heads to a reconvening Senate tomorrow. South Florida Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz is with us to look at the details of that package. And in our new protective process, she is joining us from her district in Weston rather than right here in the chair. Congresswoman, good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning, Glenna. You too. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Can you take us through what is contained in this bill that now heads to the Senate? Yes, we passed the Families First Coronavirus Response Act early hours of Saturday morning, about one o'clock. Um, what it does is it makes sure, first and foremost, that anyone who is indicated to need a test for coronavirus can get it for free, even if you don't have insurance coverage. And that's really critical because we want to make sure that people aren't avoiding getting tested because they're worried about how they're going to pay for it. It also makes sure that for businesses, large and small, it covers about 87 million workers to, for paid sick leave and up to three months of family and medical leave. About 14, day, 14 days, 80 hours of paid sick leave and up to three months of family and medical leave. It also provides unemployment insurance, robust increased unemployment insurance coverage 
for employees who have a gap in that coverage, a gap in their, uh, in their employment because of the coronavirus. And then it provides additional funding for SNAP benefits, for senior meal services, student meals, and just making sure that we can provide nutrition assistance, additional nutrition assistance during this difficult time. So there is some concern that with all of that in the package, it exempts some of the larger companies, McDonald's, Amazon were some of the ones that were actually name checked. It exempts those companies from providing all of those things to its workers if need be. What is that exemption about? Well, there's no question that uh, this was a vote that I know I cast and my fellow Democrats cast where you don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Unfortunately, Donald Trump and Republicans really were, were digging in and they refused to make sure that we could universally provide that paid sick leave and up to the three months of family and medical leave for all employers. Uh, they were insistent on exempting employers who employ more than 500 people. And, you know, the good news is that 89% of those companies in this country do provide paid sick leave for their employees. But, you know, we were, uh, we, we were in a situation where we could dig in and continue to insist, uh, you know, or make sure that at least tens of millions of workers could get that coverage and make sure that we were going to pass that bill and, and, get as many people covered as we could. So and in it's very unfortunate that, that uh, Republicans dug in on that. Ridiculous. Well, and, and it sounds like the, um, that the compromise worked, and there is a bill going to the Senate that the president, at least on Twitter, says he supports, and so we'll look for that tomorrow. I want to, Congresswoman, ask you a, a question that we're hearing from some of our viewers as things start to batten sure. down and businesses close and events are canceled. What do you think of uh, what might be a, a crazy idea of a total national quarantine? I suppose not so crazy because countries like Italy and Spain are doing just that. Is that something that you all on Capitol Hill have talked about at all? And what is that possibility? Well, I've been in, in extensive briefings with Dr. Fauci, our nation's foremost public health expert, and obviously had a chance this week to question Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC, um, both in the oversight hearing as well as in briefings. Um, we are about two weeks, public health officials tell us, behind where Italy is, and it is a very, very serious and important thing for people to listen to. Social distancing, which means stay away from people around whom you do not need to spend time. That means limiting any social contact. That means, you know, if you have to run to the grocery store, do that and come home. You know, don't spend time with, with friends you don't need to be spending time with, with family members that don't live with you, particularly elderly people. The, in direct answer to your question, we've not talked about that on, on Capitol Hill yet, but we are listening very seriously to the advice of public health officials and you know, Dr. Fauci did say this morning on national television that if we can't get the kind of significant social distancing for people to voluntarily comply with, even with the national closings and statewide closings that we've had, then you may end up needing to take that step. This is really serious. What we don't want to do is overwhelm the the ICUs, the emergency, the emergency rooms, and and our our, uh, our health healthcare facilities, and we could we could have that situation if we don't uh, if we don't really practice aggressive social distancing. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, great to be with you this morning. Really appreciate your time on this Sunday. Thank you. All right, uh, let's Thanks take so much, just um, thank you. Let's take uh, just a, a quick.
second to talk to Dr. Marty about what we were just talking about, if we can, uh, the uh, the thought of a national quarantine. Um, Congresswoman, I'm not sure you were able to hear, was talking about Dr. Fauci talking about just that, saying we are two weeks behind places like Italy. And what what can we take watching what the Italians are going through? Is that sort of our next step? I, I, I love Tony Fauci. He's a, you know, we've worked together back when I lived in D.C. And, um, and I wish he were the person in charge of this outbreak and nobody else and nobody telling anybody else what he can and cannot do. He should be in charge. So um, I'm on, I want to make that ultimately very clear. I also want to urge the senators to not mess around with this at all, to not change a thing. A good compromise was reached in the House. This bill should pass exactly as is, as the instant that they can do it. No hesitations. Next thing is, um, I think it's very important that people realize that we are way behind where we were supposed to be. We are way behind, but we are where we are. And we have to use the tools we have that can bring that, as, as people are saying, flatten that curve down and end this outbreak. And we do have tools to do that. We did it when we were, when I worked the Ebola outbreak without, at that time, a vaccine or an antiviral. Those are some very powerful words. And um, with that, I want to, this is a live program we are sort of doing as we speak. And we're so grateful for you staying with us and being with us. Uh, we have some breaking news at the moment. On the phone with us right now, Bal Harbor Mayor Gabriel Groisman. Uh, Mayor Groisman, good to talk to you. And we are hearing now that a rabbi in your community with a very large congregation has now, oh, not on the phone, on Skype. Uh, hi, welcome. Um, in your hi, community, you? Rabbi Lipscar, many people might know if you live in Northeast Miami-Dade because of the size of his congregation, has now tested positive for COVID-19 virus. What do you know? What can you tell us? So good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's an important, uh, important day for, for our community. So as you said, Rabbi Lipsker from the Shul Bal Harbor, he's a Bal Harbor resident. Uh, he's the chaplain of our police department. He's a pillar of our community. Um, he has tested presumptive positive for COVID-19, which means his first test came back positive. And then to be a confirmed case, you have to have two te uh, positive test results. He's awaiting the result of the second one at the time. Um, late last night, he advised us and the whole community um, that he tested positive. And, um, and this morning, uh, we had an emergency meeting with our emergency operations team at the city, at the village of Bell Harbor. Um, and we put out a very, very important directive to the community, just advising everybody um, that anybody who's been in touch with, with, with the rabbi for the past 14 days, we're asking them to self-isolate at this time with their families at home. Um, if you haven't been directly in touch with them, but it's a very close-knit community, but you've been in touch with someone that you know has been or you think ha may has been, have been, we're asking them to self-monitor. Um, and that's a, that's a defined term by the CDC, which means you got to take your temperature twice a day, um, take, yeah. uh, take check of your symptoms. If you're coughing, have a shortness of breath or fever. And if you do, then you should self-isolate. And in both cases, you should definitely be in touch with your local health professionals, with your personal health professionals, to figure out uh, what is the best case scenario. For sure. And as, May as Mayor, was, let me as just was, ask you, yes, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt. I'm just doing the sure. timeline in my head. Um, if the rabbi notified you last night, that means he probably had 
uh, some very large congregations for some religious services on Friday night and Saturday. We may be talking about hundreds of people that were so, in that room. To, uh, uh, yes and no. So to be clear, he's been he's been self-isolating since uh, since uh, Wednesday, as far as I understand. He did not go to synagogue this weekend. Um, of course, he didn't think he had COVID-19, but he just wasn't feeling well, so he stayed home. Oh, uh, but earlier in the week, we did have the Purim holiday, uh, which was Monday and Tuesday, where the community had a large get-together, both in the synagogue and parties all throughout um, Bell Harbor, Surfside, and Bay Harbor, um, just like they have, all, have had all over the country. So there's definitely been uh, uh, a, a lot of opportunity for contact in our community, Rabbi, which is why social distancing and things like, of that nature are so important today. All right. Well, we will keep tabs on Rabbi Lipskar, uh, Mayor Groisman. Thank you so much for being with us today on this kind of spur of the moment and break some news with us today. Hey, a week ago seems like a lifetime ago, and Tuesday's Democratic Florida primary was the focus of our election 2020 universe. Today is the last day of early voting, and whether you're headed there or to your polling place or to your own polling place on Tuesday, there are changes in the works to address concerns of COVID-19 contamination. Trent Kelly is at an early polling place to talk about a lot more of that. Good morning to you. Hey there, good morning, Glenna. Yeah, what a difference a week can make, right? Uh, a week ago, these primaries were uh, just getting underway, the early voting period here in Florida. And here today, I gotta say, the most noticeable thing so far is just the lack of overall voters. But you mentioned those changes come Tuesday. We're told uh, that because of some of the concerns surrounding our elderly residents, election workers will be moving a few select precincts on Tuesday, precincts that were previously located at or near assisted living centers. But overall, as I just mentioned, the biggest story so far seems to be the voter turnout or lack thereof. You know, health is the most important thing. And I also, you know, the obligation of, you know, the right to vote is really important, especially during the times we're living in. Jay Kurtman of Fort Lauderdale is one of the few who came out today to vote early in this year's statewide presidential preference primary. No people here, so it's wonderful. Didn't have to um, deal with the cranny crowds. He, like so many other voters, now trying to balance their civic duty along with warnings from public health officials to avoid large crowds. Luckily for him, that wasn't even close to becoming a problem. Um, and I wanted to come out real early on early voting, um, so there was nobody in there. There were really large crowds, quite honestly. I would have thought about it. Our cameras capturing similar scenes on Saturday with near empty precincts in Lauder Hill, Plantation, and even Little Haiti down in Miami-Dade. I was expecting the place to be filled, but hey, we're doing our part. As of last night, the number of early voters in this year's presidential preference primary were falling well behind the same numbers from 2016. Aside from the possible political burnout, concerns over the coronavirus seem to be the big driver, with many precincts taking some extra steps to try and reassure voters. We had, you know, plenty of hand sanitizer, um, so, you know, everybody's doing their part. Yeah, and today, of course, is the last day for early voting in both Miami-Dade and Broward counties. Polls close in Miami-Dade at 4 p.m. Polls close in Broward at 6 o'clock tonight. That's the latest from Fort Lauderdale. Glenna, back to you in the studio.
Trent, thanks so much. A couple of more minutes of Q&A, and I want to really, Dr. Marty, start with, we have a deluge of questions about testing. They range from when is our drive-through testing going to show up? We do know this weekend that now the uh, private labs are starting to receive the kits that the state was talking about, the governor was talking about yesterday. Where are we in getting everyone tested in Florida? How important is that, and what do people need to know? Testing and identifying who's infected and who isn't is the fastest way of getting life back to normal. Because if you can test every person who has symptoms of any kind and test every contact of every person who has symptoms. Is that even possible at this point? No, and that's the problem. And not only that, we've been living in a bubble. This community outbreak has been happening long before it was announced. The numbers that you see for the United States are not accurate because we're not tested. Okay, so the State Department of Health every day, sometimes after midnight, sends out, and we, we receive them in the newsroom, the newest cases that have been identified. You're saying that this is, you know, we know what we know, but there's so much more that we don't know. And so do we presume that we are around people who might be asymptomatic and shedding, to your point from earlier? That's right. And that's, and that's the reason that we've shut down so many activities, because we haven't been able to do proper contact tracing because we haven't had the test kits, not just here in South Florida but throughout the nation. So for somebody looking to be tested who is not feeling well, I know people have said, I'm not really feeling well, I don't really have all of the symptoms that they're talking about. What's the sort of line between going and arguing that you must have a test and just telling your doctor, I'm on the bubble? Who, how, how do you get tested if you want a test? The number one thing is get this new bill passed. Get the money so that we can, so that we can up our possibility of, of, of having the test kits. Absolutely do the drive-through testing. I've been talking about that for a while. They started that in South Korea. South Korea took this seriously from the get-go. South Korea's numbers seem to shoot up astronomically. Not because they, they actually had that many more cases than anybody else, but because they were responsible and did the testing and identified their cases, every single one. Proper contact tracing is absolutely crucial. When you don't do it, you end up with community uh, spread, the, these unlinked cases, because we don't know what we're doing. So this is such an important point, because when we watch the cases go up, even today exponentially, what we're really seeing is just uncovering what's there. Exactly, and that's, people need to put that into perspective. Just because they're seeing the numbers go up now, no, every time you see the numbers go up, you say, thank goodness we figured out another one. Thank goodness we have another set of people we can contain so we can get back to normal, because that's what they did. China, South Korea, Singapore, other nations are doing that, and their numbers, they have peaked. They're coming down. We need to do the same thing. We have an opportunity now to talk to Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who was in self-quarantine even before he found out he had tested positive this week, late this week, for the coronavirus. Well, Mayor, you're actually looking pretty good. How do you feel? I feel very good. Um, I took my temperature this morning. I was at 98 degrees. Uh, I am 
experiencing mild to no uh, symptoms so far. Uh, this is actually the fourth day uh, that I have confirmed uh, the, the, the virus uh, because I took the test four days ago, got the results three days ago. This is the third day that I have the results back. Um, but I feel, I feel very good. Um, obviously, I'm young. Uh, and, and, and we know, as, as Dr. Marty, who was on the program before me, explained and has explained in, in the press conferences that we've held in the city, that this is something that uh, can very, very dramatically affect uh, people that have immunodeficiencies uh, or are elderly. But in my case, uh, thankfully, so far, um, it has been mild. And, and I think that's important, too, because uh, I've been wanting to be out there as much as possible. I've been doing a video diary so that people can hopefully, uh, through my experience and my journaling, um, you know, their anxiety levels can go down a little bit if, unfortunately, they are um, uh, test positive, which, as Dr. Marty said, more and more people are going to be testing positive. And there's probably a lot of people that are positive that just don't know it. Yeah, and I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's very valuable because what news doesn't really talk about so much, because we do news, is that the vast majority of people with COVID-19 do recover from it and, and that's a very important point and you are sort of the living example in real time of what is going on and, and if anyone doesn't realize uh, your trajectory you were uh, exposed to the Brazilian delegation that was here yeah. last week and the press secretary for the Brazilian president had tested positive which is why you went into your own self-quarantine to begin with how difficult was it for you an elected official I'm guessing not very to get your test well, actually, in my case, they asked me to come in and get tested. Um, I, once I uh, once it was confirmed that I was in the same room or in close proximity with this person who had tested positive, and understanding this was already a few days ago, so it was a little bit before, uh, uh, you know, some of this this greater outbreak. Um, the health department called me when I already decided to self quarantine before I issued the state of emergency and asked me to go in and get tested. Obviously, that set off a, a variety of different protocols. Uh, one being uh, the decontamination of city hall. Uh, with a hazmat team. Um, also, uh, all the elected officials that were in contact with me had to get tested, including our city manager and our police chief, for a continuity of operations uh, procedure to make sure uh, that our government can continue to function. Um, and, then, uh, and then some members of my family were tested because um, they're in such close proximity to me. Uh, I touched so many people, hundreds, if not thousands of people, and we wanted them uh, to feel confident that if those that are so close to me that I, that I you know, I'm literally in bed with uh, and, and, and literally in, in, in constant contact with are negative, uh, then uh, that could hopefully reduce some of the anxiety levels for them. And how was that testing for them? Were there tests to be had? Did they have to wait? Was there blowback on some of the cases that maybe those who were protecting the number of test kits had second thoughts about? The, they, they were tested uh, according to the protocols for the testing. I think it was at Jackson Hospital. Um, and they got the results uh, the next day. And so the, 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 the fear is, uh, and I just spoke to, to someone uh, who had been in contact with me um, uh, seven days ago. The fear is, what we don't want is until we have offsite testing and until we have the ability, the capacity to test uh, the number of people that we need to test. We don't want what we don't want is people go congregating in a place, sick people and healthy people, because that could lead to the spread of the virus. But I agree with uh, Dr. Marty uh, that we have to do uh, way more testing. 
Um, and then the other thing we have to focus on, like you said, is look, I, I, I tested positive. So I'm, I, I think I was the second person in Dade County that tested positive. I'm sure I'm not the second person in Dade County that has it. Uh, but I'm the second person that tested positive. And that's, I'm actually happy about it because it does uh, put a face uh, to this. And, and I think so many people that know me, I've gotten over you know, 1,000 text messages, 600 that I haven't even been able to read. Uh, they now have someone that can actually guide them through this process and hopefully reduce the anxieties. If you do test positive, which we, we presume that there are, are many, many more thousands of people potentially who, who are positive right now and, and either are. asymptomatic yeah, no, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm saying you're so right. We are just at the uh, beginning of that portion. And Mayor Suarez, best of luck to you. Feel Thank good. You we'll be talking to you. And thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Glenna. And we'll be so grateful to have Dr. Marty here. I know you wanted to make one very important point before we go. Yeah, okay. So 80% of people are going to have mild to moderate disease. Those people are not likely to have long-term consequences, but we are a community. We are a group of people, and that's that other 20% that the 80% have to take into consideration. Their parents, their grandparents, those other people who have comorbidities, other underlying diseases, we have to take care of them. We are all in this together. We are all in this together. Headline. Thank you so much for being with us.